This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 7.48 in the morning. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana with Shaoning and Jensen. Now, in the face of rising geopolitical tensions, many countries in the world have been beefing up their defense spending. For example, NATO's military budget for 2023 is set at 1.96 billion euros, representing a 26% increase from 2022. And in India's recently announced budget, it was proposed for defence spending to increase by around 13% year-on-year to around $73 billion US dollars. However, for Malaysia, the Defence Ministry is expecting a leaner budget for the year ahead after taking into account lower revenue from the sale of crude oil. Now, for the past decade, the annual budget for the Defence Ministry has hovered around 15 billion ringgit without much change. But with growing threats to national security, is it time to trim allocation for the country's defence sector? For some insights into this, we speak to Rizwan Rahmat, Principal Defence Analyst at Jane's. Rizwan, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. So as we mentioned earlier, um, the Malaysian Defence Ministry anticipates a reduced allocation in the budget 2023 due to lower projected national revenue. Um, Can we get a picture in terms of how Malaysia compares in its defence spending with other ASEAN neighbours? Yep. Yeah, as it is, right, Malaysia is already at the moment one of the lowest spending countries in the Southeast Asian region when it comes to their defense budget. Yeah, Malaysia spends about, um, as we mentioned just now, about, about $3 billion in US dollar terms, and this represents about 0.9% of GDP. Uh, this is comparable to Indonesia, actually, which spends about 0.8% of its GDP. But I would like to suggest that Indonesia is not the country you should be comparing with because, number one, uh, in absolute terms, you know, 0.8% of Indonesia's GDP is about $9 billion uh, in US dollars term, which is about three times as much as Malaysia. Mm. But secondly, and most importantly, I think, you cannot compare to a country like Indonesia because Malaysia is faced with a very unique set of challenges. Number one, we've got still the situation in Lahat Dati. We are we still not seeing a lot of clarity about that. You know, that could flare up still in the next uh, quarters or so. But number two, I think more importantly, Malaysia is currently faced with a territorial dispute with China, which is currently flaring up by the year. So Malaysia should be comparing itself with a country like the Philippines or Vietnam, which also have overlapping claims in the South China Sea. And these countries currently spend about 1.6% of their GDP uh, annually on on defence procurement and defence development. And Rizwan, has this compromised our position in joining defence alliances as well as issues like increasing the invasions of China's forces in the waters of Sabah and Sarawak, which you alluded to just now? Yeah, so I think if I can give a bit of context, uh, not only does Malaysia spend uh, one of the lowest in terms of uh, defence procurement in Southeast Asia, but the armed forces of Malaysia also unfortunately operate some of the oldest uh, equipment you can find in the region, to be honest. Most of your warships are more than 30 years old. Um, you know, you've got fighter aircraft that are no longer flying. You know, at the mid-29s, uh, these aircraft were out of commission many years ago. So as a result of this, uh, you will see that whenever there is a confrontation in the South China Sea, such as what happened in Patingi uh, Ali, for example, I think as we speak right now, there is a Chinese Coast Guard vessel in what 
is claimed to be Malaysian waters, you know, near, near Patingi Ali. But the Malaysians cannot do much about it at the moment because you do not have a reply uh, to the kind of equipment that China is deploying into the region. China is deploying more modern, more sophisticated uh, vessels into the South China Sea, while Malaysia can only reply with vessels that are mostly 30 years old. You know, the, the newest vessels that the uh, command in Sabah operates is ironically a Chinese vessel, which is a littoral mission ship. So I think you're right in that sense. Um, a lot of this defense procurement or lack of defense procurement has resulted in an, an inability uh, to respond to the kind of security situations uh, that the country is facing, especially in the South China Sea. Okay, so Rizwan, we clearly don't spend enough. And even then, when you look at the allocation, uh, what we get there is mm-hmm. operating expenditure makes up 70% and then the balance, of course, goes to development expenditure. Should that ratio be changed? Yeah, that's one of the features of Malaysian defence that um, you know that has uh, always stood out for me, and one of them is the fact that uh, despite the presence of some of the oldest equipment in the Southeast Asian region, uh, the Malaysian Ministry of Defence spends uh, quite a lot, uh, you know, compared to other countries on things like pensions, uh, on things like housing for veterans. Uh, I understand these are methods which are very close to the heart of Malaysians, you know, rewarding your veterans. Uh, rewarding them with pensions and stuff, very generous pensions, by the way. Yeah, but I would like to point out that features like this are, you know, putting your defense budget, uh, skewing it towards um, matters that may not benefit the military in terms of their modernization, in terms of how well they can stand up against the military threat. You know, pensions are important. You know, for these uh, these veterans, they have served the country. But I think uh, overall, um, there may need to be a more serious conversation about how much should be allocated towards pensions, housing, and benefits, and how much should be allocated towards uh, defence procurement. Rizwan, Malaysian defence procurement has, um, I guess, been plagued by a series of scandals in recent years. I mean, we're still mm-hmm. discussing the littoral combat ship scandal. There was a submarine yep. scandal before mm-hmm. that. Um, we do know the Unity government has decided that approvals for all government procurement can no longer be given without a tender process. Mm. Do you think this is a step in the right yeah. direction to prevent future leakages of public funds? Yeah, it's quite tragic, right? I mean, I've been following uh, not only the Victoria Combat Ship, but also the MD530 helicopter procurement. Uh, There's one that might be coming up on the horizon. So these are the kind of scandals that will be avoided when you have a more transparent defense procurement process. But but that comes at a huge cost. You remember buying a warship is not the same as buying a cargo ship. Buying an aircraft is not the same as buying a commercial aircraft, a military aircraft, I mean. Yeah, so the the price to pay with such levels of transparency is that there will be less secrets. Mm. A lot more a lot more specifications will be available to outside uh, observers looking in. You know, one thing about defense procurement is that you're always trying to keep things a secret because you do not want your adversaries to know what kind of specifications, the kind of system, combat systems that you're buying. And that's one of the reasons why uh, defense procurement are sometimes negotiated on a direct contract basis. Um, but if you were to ask me, uh, it might be the lesser of two evils for Malaysia, you know, between um, putting out uh, a lot more specifications out there in open tenders when compared to the kind of scandals that have been 
plaguing Malaysian defence uh, programmes, especially over the last few years. And uh, Rizwan, you mentioned earlier the rising tensions in the South China Sea, but do you expect a more coordinated response from ASEAN to really counter this? No, I don't think we should hold our breath for that, to be honest. I mean, even for something as rudimentary as the South China Sea Code of Conduct, which has been ongoing, the discussions have been ongoing for 20 years, for us to come up with a code of conduct and all countries involved in these tensions, and we are not able to do it as a bloc. You know, ASEAN, to me, uh, I've described it many times, ASEAN is a house divided. Uh, there are a lot of countries that are currently very pro-China in their stance. Uh, I think that list might be growing. Uh, and because of this, how we are divided in this, in this, uh, in this house, uh, when it comes to our posture against China, you should not be expecting uh, anything so united uh, anytime soon. Okay, one question from us, last one, Rizwan, and a quick one. You know, in the US, we hear stories yeah. of weather balloons, which are actually surveillance balloons. Are there such incidences over Malaysian airspace? Well, we have not had any confirmation from the armed forces uh, whether there were similar balloons in our airspace. But one thing I can tell you for sure is that the Chinese have been making flights uh, over disputed areas of the South China Sea, including areas claimed by Malaysia as your, you know, as your um, uh, aviation uh, airspace uh, many, many times over the years. And uh, there are there were not much that could be done about it uh, because of the kind of uh, equipment uh, some of these uh, Southeast Asian countries are operating. Rizwan, thank you very much for speaking with us and sharing your insights. That was Rizwan Rahmat, Principal Defence Analyst at Jane's, um, giving us his take, helping us break down really how Malaysia's defence spending compares to others in the region. We're woefully low in defence spending. 0.9% of GDP, similar to Indonesia. Thailand spends 1.32%. Singapore, of course, much more, 3%. Yeah, but I think another issue historically is that I think defence contracts are normally quite uh, accustomed to having leakages even in developed markets and LCS is a prime example. So perhaps there is a need to have better transparency and perhaps a whole revamp of how these contracts are really monitored and awarded. Food for thought indeed ahead of Budget 2023. It's 7.59 in the morning. We're heading into the 8am news bulletin, but first a quick message. As fears of recession and inflation mount in an increasingly uncertain economic environment, thinking long-term has become crucial to anyone's wallet. But where do you start? From the stock market to unit trust to robo-advisors and even cryptocurrencies, where should you park your money in today's world? Join us at the BFM Ringgit and Cents 2023 Investing Through a Stormy 2023 event where our expert guests will share insights and tips. That's happening on Wednesday, the 1st of March. Get your tickets at bfm.my slash events. This event is presented by Sun Life Malaysia, your lifetime insurance and Takaful partner. Coming up after the news, The Breakfast Grill. Chong Jensan speaks to Lim Wai Moon, founder and CEO of Doctor Anywhere, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.